Today on Blue 58, the Packers square off with the Bears for the second time this season on Sunday. But other than playoff seeding, what can we really learn in this game? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. Before we get to today's show, a couple things I wanted to mention. You got a random episode in your feed yesterday. Uh, That came together very quickly. Basically, Tuesday... After a long, long correspondence involving, honestly, my wife, more than me, the Green Bay Packers and Cliff Crystal dating back as far as 2017, we finally got him on the show and what a conversation it was talking about his new book, uh, The Greatest Story in Sports, a 1,000-page, 100-plus-year history of the Green Bay Packers. You should check that out if you haven't. I think you will find it is worth your time. And since we're breaking on interviews um, on their own thing, or on their own uh, kind of episodes this year that is going to stay fresh for a while. We try to keep those evergreen. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy that conversation if you if you get a chance to listen to it. Second thing I want to remind you about is our ongoing charity raffle situation. We've got two charities going that you can donate to this year, the Adrian Amos I'm Still Here Foundation and uh, the Walk to End Alzheimer's uh, Shamar Jean Charles team. Check those both out in the link in our show notes for this episode and at thepowersweep.com. Uh, if you enter to win by donating to either one of those uh, charities and sending me a screenshot, uh, you will be entered into a drawing uh, for some prizes. Get those entries in by December 31st to be eligible, and we'll draw shortly after the new year. We've got $150 in donations so far, and we just kicked things off on Monday. So good job, everybody. All right. Packers Bears. Round two. I don't feel like I could do a typical preview of this one. Because we are at the portion of the year where games are more about the Packers than the team they're playing. On top of that, we've already seen the Bears once this year. What are we really going to learn about them heading into a preview that we didn't know a couple months ago? All that's happened with the Bears since then is they've gotten more hurt. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But as far as the Packers are concerned, we've got maybe one more game this year where we're going to be learning about the Packers. And I've mentioned that before. I think it's the Ravens game. I want to see how the Packers play against a team that loads up and says, we're going to run it, and we're going to run it a lot, and you're going to have to stop us from running the ball. If you play light boxes against us, we're going to keep hammering, and you're going to give up yards. And if you keep giving up yards, we're going to keep taking the yards, and eventually we'll run you right off the field. The reason I'm really interested in that is because there's at least one team in the playoffs that's going to try that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will get big and pound away with the run if they have to. And if the Packers are going to beat the Buccaneers in the playoff, they've got to be able to stop the run. So to show that Joe Barry and his defense can settle down and stop the run when they absolutely have to is a big question. But other than that, we're basically looking at the preseason of the postseason for the next month. The Packers' only objective every week, well, only objectives, I should say, are to get a win so they stay in, in contention for the number one seed in that all-important bye, and to stay healthy. So slightly more meaningful than a preseason game, where the only objective is to stay healthy. So the Bears game doesn't really factor in to the what-can-we-learn-about-the-Packers question, partly because the Bears have been real bad this year, and partly because the Bears are really banged up on top of not being very good. 
Khalil Mack is on injured reserve. Danny Trevathan is on injured reserve. Jermaine Afidi is on injured reserve. David Montgomery has been a DNP in practice this week. Allen Robinson is limited. Hakeem Hicks is limited. If you want to throw Andy Dalton in there, you can say him too. He was a DNP today. Look, Justin Fields is going to play anyway. He's going to start. But what difference does that make if he's not bringing anybody with him? How do you tell how good you are going against a team where almost every noteworthy player has some kind of injury? The Bears have been good on defense the last couple years. Real good in some stretches. But now so many guys are hurt, even if they do have the players to put together a good defense on the roster, none of them can play. So what are you really going to learn about the Packers anyway? There are a few possible outcomes in this game, and most of them are not actually that great for the Packers. The good one is they get a win and they get healthy. But if they get a win and they play badly, or they get a win and you know some key players are hurt, those are kind of bad still. Sure, you, you stay, you kept pace in the, in the standings, but if you sputter coming out of the gate, there's just going to be more questions, and it's not going to feel good internally. I know we talk about how there's no style points in the box score, and I believe that. I think it's absolutely true. But how you play affects how you feel about how you play going forward. And the Packers need to keep stacking wins that they feel good about. Looking at the Bears, I think we can talk a little bit about where they are as a team. They've got a quarterback prospect who's as good as any of they've, as they've had probably in my lifetime. Thinking back to really when I started following football seriously, you're probably looking 1996 or so. Fields is probably the best option, the best, represents the best potential, let's say that, at quarterback that the Bears have ever had that I can really remember. But he's still unrefined. Matt Nagy got the job in Chicago in large part because he was thought to be a guy who could elevate the quarterbacks they had. Mitchell Trubisky being being the guy. Now he's got Justin Fields, and it hasn't looked super great so far. They have made some improvements as the season has gone on, but Fields has also been hurt, and he's also been sacked a whole bunch. They're not putting him in positions where he can really avoid it either. So what do you do with Nagy? You say, all right, we're going to give you one more shot. Kind of hope so. Or do you move on and hope that you can just find somebody else who can work with Fields? I'd be in the latter camp regardless of what Nagy does down the stretch here because I think he's shown that he's not really going to do all that much with your quarterback. He's kind of Mark Tressman with better branding. Stuck along or around a lot longer than Tressman did. But the Bears, even if everything isn't quite Nagy's fault, have still underachieved this year. They've broken even in one-score games on the year. They are 2-2. Two and two. But they've also been 1-2 and since they played the Packers. Things are fluking against them instead of breaking their way. And their expected win-loss record by point differential is 3.6 and 8.4. So still, they are not playing to their full potential, even as bad as things have been. I think the best way to talk about this game is to just ask a few questions about both the Packers' defense and their offense. Normally, we start looking about looking at how the opposing team's offense matches up against the Packers' defense. Then we talk Packers' offense against their defense. Uh, let's start 
just broadly asking some questions about the Bears offense against the Packers defense then. First, how will the Packers handle Justin Fields? A big question late in most seasons is how do you introduce and handle unscouted looks? By, you know, we're at week 14 here. Your tendencies are pretty well established. People know what they're going to get from you, so you've got to start introducing new things. And given how long he's been out and how little he's played this year, Justin Fields is basically still an unscouted look. What do you expect from him? What does he look like now after a couple weeks off? How do the Packers handle that unscouted look of a very physically talented player who hasn't really put it together execution-wise on the field yet? And maybe more to the point, do unscouted matter? Unscouted looks matter if the team isn't any good. That's more a hypothetical than anything, but I think it's fair to wonder. How much can a team really do to you with, you know, tendency breakers and unscouted looks and stuff like that if they're, they're not any good anyway? I don't have an answer, but I think it's worth thinking about. Secondly, Devondre Campbell, how big of a role he can, can he play coming off dealing with COVID here, assuming he is good to go for Sunday? What will the Packers do as far as leaning on him? And if they can't count on him, how does that affect their defense? Presumably Chris Barnes just slides up into a bigger role, but what happens behind him? Does Oren Burks get more playing time? Does Isaiah McDuffie? Do they turn back to Ty Summers for some reason? I think we're pretty good on Summers at this point. What happens there? Again, that's more a hypothetical because I'm not sure it really matters for the Bears' offense versus the Packers' defense anyway. I think the Packers can still hold down the fort without Campbell or even in a limited role, but it's worth exploring just because a similar situation could be could have a bigger impact on the road. Say there's a playoff game where Campbell can't go, okay? What happens then for the Packers? What does that scenario look like? It's almost like wargaming. Uh, you're just trying to game out potential scenarios. Okay, Devondre Campbell can't go, and we've got to play against Tom Brady, who's going to find our weakness on the field on defense. How do we hide what's now become a weakness uh, in our front seven and in our coverage scheme? All right? How do we fill in that hole? How do we offset that weakness? It's worth thinking about, and this gives you an opportunity to do some of that stuff. Finally, and, and this is more of a long-term question, but we got a question from the Discord or, uh, from the Discord server. The Jet Sweep guy asks, who gets cut when Jair and Z come back? I think we've got some time to think about this. The Packers have some time to think about it because I don't think either of them is going to be back for Sunday. Jair has been des- designated to return from injured reserve, meaning the Packers have three weeks to figure that all out, yada, yada, yada. You know how that works by now. They don't have to make him active for this Sunday. They've got some time. But it looks like it's probably going to be a week away yet. Same with Z, at least a week away. But when they come back, the Packers are going to have to make some moves. And I think there's two guys that are going to be getting the short end of the stick here. The first is Tipa Nalii. Look, if they're bringing back an edge rusher, you're going to bump an edge rusher off the bottom of your depth chart, and it's been him. He's been good. He's not Zadarius Smith. In the secondary, I think it gets a little bit more interesting because the natural choice, if you're just doing Madden rosters, is probably Isaac Yadam. But Yadam's a core special teamer. So I think the Packers probably look to the safety group and bump Vernon Scott off and then just make your questions or make your decisions as far as inactives at that point. Because Scott has been firmly behind Henry Black on the depth chart at safety. His only real contributions are special teams, but he's also been inactive a whole bunch this year. I think he probably ends up on the outside looking in. I would rather have Jair be able to play him. I'd rather have Isaac Yadam for what he does in special teams. 
uh, Scott probably gets the axe there. So that's probably what we're looking at a week from now. Could be some other moves beyond that. Uh, you may be in a situation where you put Randall Cobb on injured reserve uh, just for a few weeks here. Um, that would be a bummer uh, to see just from an optics standpoint, but um, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Discord, a big part of Discord or a big part of our support from you guys on here is our Discord server. And I wanted to take a second, speaking of Discord, to mention our sponsor for this episode. Like the last one and like every episode going forward here, your sponsor for this episode is you. Blue 58 is entirely, as always, listener supported. We accept no ads. We've got no plans to run ones in the future. You will never hear an ad read here, for example, for Little Blue Pills. You know the ones. Uh, rather just not talk about that. I want this show to run entirely on support from the audience and not from shady drug companies. How do you do that? Well, we've got to get support from you guys then. Patreon.com slash the power sweep is the way to do that. Contribute any monthly amount that you like there. What do you get in return? First, no ads here or on thepowersweep.com ever. But also bonus content through Patreon. We've got some stuff coming for you on Friday. My weekly picks column is coming out. You also get access to our Discord server, which is a real neat place to hang out and chat with Packers fans from all over the world. So visit patreon.com slash the power sweep or see a link in your show notes to get started. Today, I'm shouting out Patreon supporters Chris Nichols, Megan Rapp, and Thomas Haney. Each of them have been faithful supporters for quite a while now, so we are very thankful for each of your support, uh, Chris, Megan, and Thomas. Flipping over, other side of the ball here, Packers offense versus the Bears defense. Big question for me is just how the Packers handle coming out of the bye. If you would have to describe the Packers' performances after the bye on offense in the Lafleur era in one word, I would say flat. 2020, Packers come out absolutely awful against the Buccaneers in week six, end up losing 38-10. to Aaron Rodgers has a pick six and another bad pick in that game. Game is over before it really got started. In 2019, Packers come out, lay another egg after the bye. 37-8 to at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. Twice is a coincidence if it happens three times. Might be looking at a trend here. Let's have the Packers not come out flat after the bye week. It'll be a bit of a challenge because Aaron Rodgers isn't practicing. They've got some injury news that we'll talk about here in a second. But the Packers need to not come out flat because the surest way to let a team that shouldn't be in a game get back into a game is to just let them stick around by you dragging your feet, getting in gear on offense. And if the Packers let the Bears stick around, who knows what could happen? Let's talk about that Randall Cobb injury then. Late-breaking news from Rob Domofsky is that this is indeed a hernia injury. It went from a groin injury to a core injury to a hernia. Uh, similar injury to Alan Lazard last year. Similar but not the same. It's really impossible to say if they're the same. There's a bunch of different kinds of sports hernias and hernias in general that you can have. If you've ever listened to the Weird Al song, Living with a Hernia, you know that. If you haven't, why not? Give it a spin. If Randall Cobb comes back in six weeks approximately what Alan Lazard did, he'd be practicing starting for the wild card round. Now, it's easy to get optimistic about that, but I think given the nature of this injury and given that the only real fix for this injury, you can't have surgery, which which is what he's done, you can't have surgery to fix it, reinforce uh, some of the abdominal walls and things like that, or just help with the healing process. But the only thing that it's going to get you back to 100% is rest, an extended rest not six weeks after surgery rest, 
you need really an offseason to get back to 100%. So I think we as fans need to assume that Randall Cobb is never going to be the same this year as he was pre-injury if he comes back at all. So then the question comes becomes, how do they replace him? We've got three real common sense options here, and they were mentioned by Matt LaFleur in his presser today. First, you've got Equinemia St. Brown. Big fan of what he's done for the Packers this year. It's pretty clear what he is. He is not going to be a star, but he is going to be a useful piece. Call him the lightweight model of Alan Lazard. He can do some things Lazard can't do. Lazard can do some things that EQ can't do. And I think if we're going to give additional snaps to anybody, my preference would be to give them to Equinemia St. Brown. He adds some more athleticism to your offense. He adds some size uh, while not compromising on the athleticism. Seems like a nice trade-off. He can run jet sweep stuff. He's a pretty decent blocker. He's good with the ball in his hands. If we're going to give additional snaps to anybody, that seems like the kind of guy I want to target. Alan Lazard, though, another option. But I think I'm pretty good with Lazard where he is. He's got a really well-defined role in the Packers' offense, and I don't think the Packers really gain a lot by adding anything to his role or just by featuring that role more. He just basically acts like a small, faster, smaller, I guess, faster version of Mercedes Lewis. He's a blocker. He's going to line up at the end of the uh, end of the line, and he's going to body some small dudes. It is just what he does. And he'll find some soft spots in the zone, but really is not super reliable as a receiver, not super consistent. We know what we're getting from Lazard. Do you want more of that? Maybe you do. But I think if you're going to ask anybody to step up, I think it's going to be a guy who's going to give you something you're not getting already. Keep Lazard where he is. Just let him do what he does well. Finally, you've got Amari Rogers, And I mentioned him last because I think we're out on Amari for this year. LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, was pretty tough on him today without really being explicitly tough on him. Just saying, look, he's young, got a long way to go. Basically the kiss of death here in week 14. If you're getting that talk here in December, I think the chances of you contributing on the offense at at any point this season are, are slim to none. I see why people would go, okay, this is his time to shine. He hasn't really shown any evidence that he can shine yet this year. So I'm not sure increasing his role, giving him more opportunities, is really the way to go. The other thing I want to mention on the Packers offense, avoiding the slow starts, figuring out a replacement for um, Randall Cobb, is just the great story that is Kurt Bankert. Man, what a fun story that is. 1,300 days plus in the NFL, as he tweets out today. Never once been active for game day. Now it looks like he's going to be the number two quarterback for a Super Bowl contending team here late in the season. Very likable guy. Love to see the guys that are they're working hard, putting in the time, get an opportunity. Even if you hope he never sees the field, I think it, it's great that he's going to get an opportunity to be active on game day. Just what a fun story. I also thought it would be worthwhile to take some time to check in on our polling data. We haven't done that in a couple weeks here. Uh, we've been away from, um, away from well, doing previews because we had the bye week in there and just gotten away from it a little bit, but we've still been asking the polls every week. Interesting phenomenon almost every year is that people feel worse after the, t- after the bye week, basically no matter what. No matter what happened pre-bye week, people come out and the numbers are down across the board. And wouldn't you know it, happens again this year. Literally every single thing we asked about this week was down. Approval rating for the team, 
down from 95% to 94%. Approval rating for Brian Gutekunst, only one, I guess I I stand corrected, only one that goes up from 91% last week to 94% this week. Matt LaFleur drops 10%, 97% down to 87%. The Packers offense, people feel worse after the bye week about the Packers offense for some reason, 83% to 73% approval rating. Aaron Rodgers down to basically um, vaccine uncertainty levels of disapproval among Packers fans. 66% approval rating this week. I don't know what he did over the bye, but it caused his approval rating to drop 20%. Defensive approval rating down a percent and a half, down to 94.4. Still doing solid, but down nonetheless. Joe Barry down to 89% from 95%. Special teams down from 65 to 2.8. Still went down. Uh, Maurice Drayton, nobody liked him to begin with. People like him even worse after the bye week. Started at 8.6%, down to 0% after the bye. Even people's feelings about going to the playoffs are down after the bye week. Last week, heading into the bye, 100% of voters thought the Packers would make the, make the postseason. This week, down to 98.3%. Boy, ain't that just the way it goes. Polling is funny. This has been one of the most rewarding things I've done in the time that uh, we've been doing the power sweep. It's interesting just to see how people's feelings change. Are they good reasons? Are they bad reasons? I don't really care. I just want to see what people are feeling. And I want to see the absurd lengths that people's feelings about the team go sometimes. Because I'll be honest, I have weird feelings about about the Packers at some points too. Just as an example, Aaron Rodgers started the season at 89%, week two down to 20% approval rating. I think there's a little bit of carryover from the offseason there. A lot of what was going on in week one, I think. But uh, rallied throughout the rest of the year, then drops after the COVID stuff comes out, the vaccine stuff, rallied again after the win over the Rams, and then drops again in the offseason. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Joe Barry, the... Highs and even greater highs of being Joe Barry. He, too, saw a big tank early in the season, but after hitting a 0% approval rating in weeks two and three, his approval numbers have steadily climbed until he is one of the very most popular guys on the team. Just interesting stuff, getting a chance to see into the mind of Packers fans each and every week. So I've got for you for this week 14 Packers preview. I do appreciate you listening in. I'd appreciate it even more if you check out some of the other stuff we're doing. Check out that interview with Cliff Crystal. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. And go ahead and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's the number one thing that helps this show grow. It gets more people involved in our conversation about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn helps everybody, me included, become a smarter Packers fan. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.